0: Welcome, everyone, to the Wednesday edition of the Markets and Mortgages podcast. I am your host, Tyler Crawley. A lot to get to on today's podcast, but we got to start with the housing data that came out yesterday. We got the big report. Well, we actually got two reports. They always come out on the same day. I'm talking, of course, about Case Shiller and the FHFA Home Price Index. Now, the one that gets all the attention is is the Case-Shiller Index, so that is where we were start. And let's face it, we are still not seeing any signs of a slowdown, well, maybe one sign. We're we're gonna talk about that in a second. Uh, But the housing market year-over-year growth nearly hit 20% in July. This according to the latest Case-Shiller Index data. So year over year, the, gotta take a deep breath for this one, the S&P CoreLogic Case-Shiller U.S. National Home Price NSA Index, (sighs) There we go. Reported a 19.7% annual gain in July. That is up 18.7% from the previous month. Now, month over month, the U.S. National Index saw 1.6% growth, which is still pretty impressive. I mean, 1.6%, you analyze that, and we're talking about a pretty good year. However, in June, it was 2.2%. And so that's the sign that I was talking about. So we're still seeing tremendous year-over-year growth, and we're still seeing growth month over month, but the growth rate is slowing. And we'll talk a little bit more about that in just a second. Uh, Phoenix continues to lead the way with a whopping 32.4% year-over-year price increase. Just let that sink in. 32% 32% year over year. That's just that's just nuts uh in housing, followed by San Diego at 27.8%. And then Seattle uh, was only able to get 25.5% annualized increase. The 20 City composite got even closer to 20%, coming in at 19.9%. They almost got it. That is up from the last month when it was 19.1%. Now, Craig Lazara, the Managing Director and Global Head of Index Investment Strategies at S&P DJI, said that we may actually be beyond the COVID-19 surge with regards to the impact that it's having on housing. He said in a statement that July 2021 is the fourth consecutive month in which the growth rate of housing prices set a record. He also did bring up COVID saying that it was the catalyst, but now he's arguing that we may be moving past that saying, quote, this demand surge may simply represent an acceleration of purchases that would have occurred anyway over the next several years. Alternatively, there may have been a secular change in locational preferences, leading to a permanent shift in the demand curve for housing. More time and data will be required to analyze this question. And I don't think there's any doubt about that. I mean, that we have seen a change in the way people decide where they're going to move. This work from home revolution that many believe is going to continue past COVID. People have changed their idea of where they can work and where they can live. And we're not sure what the long-term implications for this are going to be. Are we going to continue to see places like where I live, Wilmington, North Carolina, destination locations grow? Because even though there's not a lot of industry here, people want to live here. They can work somewhere else. Or are we going to see businesses say, you know what, you got to come back to the office. Never mind. (laughs) We're not down with this work from home revolution. So we are going to need to see more data and see what the long-term implications of what is happening right now. Is it here to stay or uh, is it going to go away? That rhymed. We'll see what happens here. Now, for the second month in a row, the Case-Shiller Index showed bigger growth than the FHFA Home Price Index. The year-over-year for the HPI was up only 19.2%. Ah, didn't get to that 19.7% 197 that we saw with Case Shiller. But this was higher than June when it was at 17.4%. And interestingly enough, the month-over-month increase also showed a decline. Not a reversal, but just a slowing in growth. The HPI showed a 1.4% month-over-month increase down from the 1.6% increase that we saw in June. One of the benefits of the HPI is they do have very detailed stats on the regions of this country. Now, normally we're talking about kind of like the four quadrants where we have kind of the West, we got the Midwest, we got the Northeast and the South. The HPI is very detailed. I think there's maybe 10 or 12 regions and the region that saw the most year over year appreciation was the mountain region up 25.6%. That's nuts. I mean, is that like all Seattle? Not that Seattle's mountains, but that's the same almost data that Seattle had. Followed by the Pacific at 22%, New England up 20%, South Atlantic also up about 20%, and East-South-Central up 18.3%. Now, interestingly enough, the month-over-month data was a little different. For example, the South Atlantic saw the most growth, up 1.9% month-over-month, followed by East-South-Central up 1.7. And then we had the Middle Atlantic, West-South-Central, and Mountain all up 1.6% month-over-month. So here is my hot take for the podcast. And it's not even my hot take. It's, It's not. It's actually Bill McBride. Of course, Bill McBride, who blogs over at Calculated Risk, who famously predicted the housing crash so he's someone that I like to follow and even sometimes uh, I'll talk with on Twitter and back in June we were talking about, you know, the housing data and he had made a projection and I'd kind of asked because he said something along the lines of we're not going to see the peak until the end of the summer and we're getting to that point. So here's what he said, this is back in June. Bill McBride I was talking to him on Twitter he said quote my guess is that the year over year peak will be before the August report Kay Schiller is a 3 month average so it really lags end quote so that was Bill McBride on Twitter 3 months ago well this is the July report next month we will get the August report and so we are we are already seeing the month-over-month data start to slow. Will next month be the first decline in annualized price growth since August 2020? So it would be 12 months. August 2020 was the last time we saw any dip in the year-over-year appreciation. It wasn't a lot, it was two or three-tenths of a percent. (laughs) So it wasn't a lot, but could we see that again in that that's starting the decline. Once again, we're not talking about home prices reversing, but just somewhat slowing. So, we're going to, I'm very excited uh, and my curiosity has peaked for what could be in that August report. And was Bill McBride right? I mean, he was right last time. He knew when 2008 was going to happen. And now we're not talking about 2008 again, but uh, I am now eagerly awaiting that August report. Now, before we wrap things up, I did want to talk about consumer confidence. We also got that data yesterday, the monthly report from the conference board. And unfortunately, it wasn't good. I mean, the number is still elevated, but uh, it did fall for the third month in a row, falling 5.9 points to 109.3. Like I said, this is the third month in a row of declines and the lowest level that we have seen in six months. Now, year over year, it was slightly above where it was last time, just a little bit. Uh, in 2020, it was 106.5, and now, like I said, we're at 109.3. Economists were not projecting this big of a dip. They were only projecting a not even a full point drop to only 114.5. So, obviously, things out there from a consumer perspective... worse than economists had projected so breaking it down consumers really are less concerned about what's happening right now than what they think is going to happen the present situation index saw a 5.4 point drop in august but it still is elevated at 143.4 meanwhile the expectations index continues to fall this time falling under 90 to 86.6 now, Lynn Franco, Senior Director of Economic Indicators at the Conference Board, said that by historical standards, consumer confidence remains elevated, but big-ticket items saw a retreat in August. She said, quote, concerns about the state of the economy and short-term growth prospects deepened while spending intentions for homes, auto, and major appliances all retreated again. Short-term inflation concerns eased somewhat but remain elevated. Consumer confidence is still high by historic levels. So consumers are still feeling good. They're not completely scared by, you know, what's happening with COVID or inflation, but it is a concern. And we are seeing some of the big ticket items as Franco mentioned, cars, because people have seen what's happened with, with uh, auto prices, not only new, but also used, just crazy, crazy price appreciation. And home prices are through the roof, so it makes sense. And let's face it, those are big ticket items, the biggest for most people, which, yeah, when people aren't buying those things, yeah, the economy is going to take a hit, especially consumer confidence. Now, before we go, I mentioned that was the last thing. We're going to get to one more thing. Uh, Senator Elizabeth Warren was in the Senate hearing yesterday, makes sense, where Jerome Powell testified along with Janet Yellen And Senator Elizabeth Warren had some choice words for Jerome Powell. She called him a dangerous man. Called him a dangerous man. And said that, quote, your record gives me grave concerns over and over. You have acted to make our banking system less safe. And that makes you a dangerous man to head up the Fed. And it's why I will oppose your renomination. And I got to tell you, I follow... A lot of very smart people on Twitter, because (laughs) it's good to hear what they think about situations that may arise. And not a lot of the economists that I followed were happy with the comments that Elizabeth Warren made. I mean, sure, she can be concerned. We understand that's kind of her shtick, you know, the CP CFPB, and she's worried about banks, and she's worried about all these things. But to go after someone like Jerome Powell and then make the comments... That she made, and I think it was Adam Ozimek who I think put it the best when he said, Someone who thinks Jerome Powell got lucky with the economy he faced shouldn't be sharing their opinion on these matters, frankly. I mean, a lot of people say that the leadership that Jerome Powell showed into helping us avoid an economic catastrophe similar to 2008, people credit Jerome Powell with the decisions that he made saving the economy and the fact that she is saying oh it's lucky that we didn't see another 2008 no, no no it's the direct action of jerome powell now is it going on too long should the treasury still be buying mortgage-backed securities and should they still be buying treasuries uh probably not and should interest rates be rising i mean we can have all these conversations and we can say you know what maybe we should stop that maybe we should reverse policy now now that we are out of the worst of it but the idea that he got lucky a lot of economists were not at all happy with those comments and i second that opinion all right we got to go um what's going to happen today what is happening today oh Mortgage demand rates dropping at 7 a.m., the weekly survey from the Mortgage Bankers Association. And then we got pending home sales data from National Association of Realtors dropping at 10 a.m. So another busy day. We'll talk about it all here tomorrow on the Thursday, right? Yes, I'm doing the math in my head. Thursday. Tomorrow will be Thursday. (laughs) The Thursday edition of the Markets and Mortgages podcast. And as always, do not forget... Do not wait to buy real estate. To buy real estate and wait.